This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Hello and welcome to the Woo-Woo-Verse. We are here to talk all things weird and woo and wacky and wonderful. Basically, we're your intrepid guides to the outer reaches of the inner you. My name's Kiralee. And I'm Lynette. And we are energy workers, we're channels, we're guides. And we're trying to figure out our way through 2020, just like the rest of you. Oh my goodness, how are you going out there, Kay? Look, every time I think 2020 can't ratchet it up to another level of insanity or complication. Just turning it up. Or I guess even sometimes hilarity, like if like gallows humour hilarity perhaps. Yeah. Um, it does, it just does. It's just, it's been a couple, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's a lot. It's been a Dante's lot. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing that's happened to me recently is I had a near-death experience a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I am um, very luckily and narrowly avoided a head-on collision with a car Holy that was going much crow. faster than me and much uh, was much bigger than me and was in the wrong. It had crossed over to my side of the road um, and it was it was a lot. It's a lot to see your life mm. flash before your eyes mm. and to deal with the shock as it goes through the body and to like feel the nervous system trauma response and everything gets shaken. Yeah. All the atoms, every single atom gets yeah. shaken. Yeah, yep, yep. It's been it's been a lot for me to process actually. And like it's yeah. I got out of it like I got out of it without a single scratch on me and very few scratches on my car. I'm so unbelievably lucky. <laughs> That you worried about the car, yeah. but I get it. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so I came out of it okay. I'm, I'm processing it. I'm all right. Uh, again, a little bit of gallows humor. The the hilarious thing about it is that I was only wearing a bikini when it happened because I was just coming back from the beach. So on some level, I can think that on, at my funeral service there would have been a moment where everybody realized I was only wearing a bikini, and it would have been like lols a plenty. Um, but the thing actually, that is so I know, right? She died as she lived. I do love that. Half dressed. <laughs> the way she was intended. And ill prepared. Um, but uh, it actually happened during the week that we were editing and preparing to post our True Alignment episode mm. because all of the energy of these episodes really play out in our mm. lives in, in the most unexpected yeah. and kind of ways. Um, and the beautiful Every thing. Every time you teach something. Or oh, my God, it comes. You can't. What is it? You can't teach what you haven't learned. Exactly, exactly. So it kind of runs through you every time. Mm. And so the thing that actually was really beautiful about the experience was that I realized I'm living in my true alignment because I nearly died. And reflecting on it, there's nothing that I was like, this has to change. Obviously, there's complications in my life. It's not like everything's perfect. But I've made a lot of really difficult decisions in the last three years to come into my alignment. It's been a big three years. Yeah, it's been a big three years. It's been a big journey. And with any kind of spiritual awakening, I think at some point you question it. And you're like, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe this isn't real. Maybe I'm creating drama. I'm creating the chaos Mm -hmm. just to be Mm -hmm. difficult again. Mm -hmm. Agitator. Yeah, (laughs) all of that. (laughs) Um, But actually, I had this experience and I realized that, no, I'm... I'm in my alignment. And so that's 
And also nearly I died in a bikini. That. So that's the blessing, right? That's what it is. <laughs> You're not allowed to leave in 2020. We have too much to do, too much to chat about. No, no, plan on hanging around. It's all good. Oh. Um, also, 2020 tried to kill me. You can't, sucker. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing out there? Oh, look, I'm fine and dandy like cotton candy. We have a... <laughs> Can't complain it's against the company policy rule yeah. in my house at the moment. Yep. But, you know, I'm working really hard on the alignment with myself and mm. I'm trying to stay sober. And that's like from lots of things, stinky thinking and mm-hmm. things I could really reach for that when I feel really restricted or I feel mm-hmm. really agitated mm-hmm. about the world or that there's not a balance. It's that point of the pandemic as well where maybe we all oh, want to reach for something or we could do the work yeah. ourselves, but it's... It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, and and when it's going on and on and on, mm. I think it's almost that thing when, you know, you've had any kind of addictive patterning where you're like, oh, I deserve it yeah. or it's not coming in from the well, outside. Nothing matters anymore. Soothing. It's the end of nothing, the world. Oh, well, that's a big one, isn't want. it? Yeah, <laughs> sex and other emergency measures. Yes. But, you know, you know, I am imagining myself on lots of fabulous vacations, which is funny because it seems so fruitless, but what it's done is stimulate a lot of my imagination. So I've noticed that as I'm really working on alignment and trying really hard to be true with myself, creativity is rushing in. And I am excited about that because that's where I thrive when I'm not being destructive, I'm creative. So I'm trying to stay in that boat. Probably wouldn't take much for (laughs) <laughs> for the boat to capsize. But look, I haven't had a coffee today and nobody's got hurt. So look, let's celebrate the small things. It's funny, I um I tagged my sister my sister and I used to rave together in the late nineties back in the day, um, when we were younger. And I recently they were the days. Do you just <laughs> so see good. I'm going back, just thinking about those well, great so days. So that's the thing. I tagged her in a meme on um a techno meme on Instagram recently, and then she called me the other day and she was like I don't know what it is. All I'm doing is listening to the techno we used to dance to now. It's all I want. I drop the kids at, sc- at school. I get home and I'm like, oons, 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 oons. <laughs> and we realise that the only parties we can go to now are the parties in our mind and the parties yeah. of our memories. And so... Support you all lounge room ballers. <laughs> right, right. We are here for you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on in my house. But, you know, look, the small things, as we said. <laughs> And actually, we've got a big network of um, of lounge room ballers right around the world, don't we? Oh, we're all on the cosmic couch. Can we just start by thanking all those tuning into their love and heart space all over the world? You are literally fueling our fire. Oh, God, we love you so hard. Yeah, we have listeners now popping up all over the US, West Coast, the East Coast, everyone in between. England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland. Did you know Turkey is out there? Hello, Turkey. Hello, Turkey. I suspect I may know who some of those people in Turkey are. Hello. (laughs) Me too. Germany, big in Berlin. (laughs) Love, I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) Indonesia. (laughs) Indonesia, Uh, we see you. (laughs) um, We've also got listeners in Japan and Canada, Denmark, New Zealand, uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, Singapore, and also right here in our home country of Australia. Uh, and obviously a whole bunch of other places we haven't named, but we love you guys anyway. And just want to like take a moment to just say thank you, thank you, thank you. We love your DMs. We love your emails. We love to know that you're listening. 
um, it just it makes us feel so good and we hope that you feel good listening to us and it's just nice to have a woo-woo crew international it collective. Is. whole squad vibrating higher mm. and a special hello to Miranda and her other women's group essentials out there in the non-binary spiritual circles who meet and discuss our deep dives. We have received great messages from them and we are so excited to be part of your circles we love it i can't believe can't that there are circles house. that are discussing our deep dives love it <laughs> love it and if you've got a circle happening as well or if you talk about us with your friends uh let us know we see woo we do and we're so grateful for us all to be together uh mm. especially in these complicated times so complicated. So complicated. And I think a lot of the complication is actually really, I want to use the word beautiful, even though that might not be the word, but there's this idea that so many of us no longer want to be disassociated. We don't want to check out. We actually want to come no. to terms with the reality of society and structures yeah. and hierarchies. And 2020, you know, it's good that we want to check into this because 2020 has been beating us over the head with it. Um, and we've been talking about it all year. It's it's a big theme. And, and it turned up in our last episode, in that True Alignment episode. And so many people have reached out to us after that and felt really seen by that episode and had a little bit of an awakening as a result of that episode, realized that they want to explore these ideas of truth and alignment and engage in the messy and difficult business of finding their way into this sense of alignment in themselves mm. and in the world. It's all <laughs> really big. So, Elle, what is the relationship between light and dark right now and truth and fiction? Well, that is such <laughs> Just a big a small question. question. I know, Answer but it, I think it's really important that we talk about these yeah. forces because people are thinking in these binary oppositions, aren't mm, they? Yeah. Like, us versus you're them. right, I'm mm-hmm. wrong. Us versus them. Light, dark. Male versus female, light. Yeah versus dark and when you look at that in a theological sense that was good versus evil like that's kind of how that became transcribed but of course there is no beginning and end to that spectrum it's all one spectrum but we have developed a structure that keeps us in opposition and Mm. actually there's that amazing documentary out at the moment called the social dilemma and the other one called the great hack which is all about how facebook and Instagram and social media algorithms and all the people that designed those platforms are coming out and saying they're designed to incite you to feel Mm. in opposition or to feel like you're... I don't know, part of a collective group that is working for a greater good, but it's separating from another group. There's no unity in those kind of forces. Mm -hmm. Because they're designed to keep you on line, on technology, on screen for as long as possible. And if you look and go, oh, yeah, no, everything's okay and we're all getting on, you'll probably check out and go to the real world. But if you're like, no, it's light versus dark and I have to stand here and fight, then you'll fall deeper into it. Mm. Yes, and I think the trouble is at the moment – People are talking about these concepts, even like politically, light versus dark, truth and fiction. It just seems like there's a lot of opposition. And in that messiness, it kind of feels like that it's some people are like, oh my God, is it getting darker? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of almost, is there actually a light and dark battle going on here? I don't know that I believe that there is. No, there isn't. 
We judge everything through these oppositions, don't we? Like the world then looks like a really scary place. Mm. These beliefs play out in our relationships and our health and ultimately when we're talking about what we viewed historically in most situations, it's been an ancient battle of people feeling like they're protecting themselves or something from these forces. The more we find alignment within ourselves, the more we're seeing what is out of alignment Mm. everywhere else. And so then we start feeling like a little bit uh, disconnected from being able to feel powerful. So then it becomes this very big struggle about how we're going to get that balance back. And then all these forces uh, are rising. And I think it's just this very simplistic way of defining there is unrest. There is a disturbance in the force. Yes, there is. Very Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. As a disturbance in the force and people are kind of feeling like they they need to be on a side to make mm. it better. But the irony is I wonder if it is that we kind of need to be in the middle or to get the collective understanding to make it better. Like do the work together. For millennia we've been conditioned to be polarised in these forces in our lives, to choose one and destroy the other. And I always wonder what if the secret battle is less about winning and that more Buddhist middle path and look at the core beliefs that are holding that need for opposition in place. What would it look like if we taught more about, well, how do we find a middle ground rather than, well, you get to go or I get to go, we get to choose one over the other or one is good and one is bad. Mm. And it's saying then that no force is better or more deserving of its existence than the other. We're not suggesting that we say, yay, bring darkness Mm. in, let's tip the balance that way. But Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. saying that for both of these forces to exist and to be in balance, there needs to be an absence of conflict. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And in many ways, the woo-woo and wellness community is on the front lines of this stuff. And we talked about this in the last episode as well, that we're like the circles we move in are the front lines of this convergence of so many of these developments. And especially with this conspirituality thing that's happening with the beliefs of the far right and the beliefs of the far left meeting each other and almost like the spectrum turning into a circle and folding in on itself. It's it's left a lot of people really panicked and unsure and adrift about the state of the world and their place in it. And I think it's, again, the same thing. The woo-woo mindfulness community are guided by some kind of level of self-awareness and self-understanding. And if you look at that and then you're looking at society and thinking this isn't working where it's out of balance or, you know, even recently the poisoning of Alexei, the opposition leader in Russia, the kidnapping of Maria Kolonashikova, the calling back of Chinese nationals and other journalists in for interrogation, you know, the heavy-handed tactics that we've seen in Melbourne, the Julian Assange case, the USA signing, you know, peace deals for the UAE for arms, which basically leaves the Palestinians with no allies, is really, really confronting and heartbreaking around yeah, democracy. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what's disturbing people. It's not that woo-woo is making them crazy. It's that people are starting to feel as though something is not right with this system and they don't know what to do other than to use the powers they have. Yeah, absolutely. Massive things here that 
are calling us to go, where's, Demo- hold on, who's the watchdog? Where's democracy? So that exists. And then you've got this community who have all been working on themselves and they're looking at their, you know, surrounding personal structures and thinking, well, this isn't working either. It's not egalitarian. And you put all of that together and there's it's that classic narcissistic parent thing. Everyone's just going in on top of themselves. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I do. It's kind of like... There is no peace amongst the troops. There's no no yeah. feeling of safety. Even though they, they're screaming big orders at us, it doesn't feel safe. Yes. And, you know, I don't think woo-woo and mindfulness is inciting this energy. I think that would be convenient to blame mindfulness and awakeness as the cause of all of this energy. It's absolutely narcissistic frequencies and structures that are not supporting yeah. humanity that have caused this unrest. Yeah, and it makes me think of every zombie apocalypse movie I've ever seen or every Philip K. Dick end of the world book I've ever read Mm. or like The Road or any of these, Station Eleven, Mm. any of these like the world is ending. It's always every person for themselves. It's never, and then they all came together and healed themselves (laughs) and supported each other and and they took down the barbed wire and they didn't get the the guns and they all came. Like we don't actually have a framework for how to be together at the end of the world. All of our stories have been very individualistic and narcissistic and because I guess that makes a good protagonist and it's an easier story to write, one person against the world and opposition. The oppositions are there. They've been there for a long time. Yeah. And and I think that there's no overarching sense of democracy at the moment. I think that's the problem. There's a disintegration of what we've, as you've said, may have been experiencing as an illusion of democracy. And now there's a sense of feeling, especially amongst a lot of people in that awakened movement, hold on a minute, this structure is not working. So there's just this kind of mess and I think the other reason the woo-woo community gets so entrenched in this is that you can't roll out your yoga mat for yourself Mm -hmm. as you've always said you roll it out for the whole world so if you're trying to empower and love and give to yourself on that level there is a burning desire to make sure that every single person can have that and I think it's probably the voice of that energy. Yeah, and so much yeah. of this year has been this call to engage and be present and process and do our shadow work on an individual and collective scale. And if there's one thing both of us know about shadow work is it's messy and it's hard. Oh, my God, it's And hard. nobody likes yeah. it and I want it to be over, please. Um, and it does ask us to consider what we're doing to raise our light. Um, and so that's actually what we're talking about today, dark forces, light forces. Yeah, the living force that's supposed to be distributed evenly. And look, today's episode comes with a bit of a caveat, doesn't it, Lynette? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because mm. we like to keep it light, but today we're going to get a bit serious. Today we are going to be talking about dark forces and spooky shit. So we really want to recommend that if in any way you feel right now that listening to this episode is not a good idea, then please listen to your intuition, respect it and turn this off. Go listen to another one of our uh, lighter episodes. Uh, And don't listen to this while you're driving. Don't listen to this when you're around the kids. Keep some sacred space around this episode because it's it's important, but it's difficult. And um, you may want to light a candle as well as you listen Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, my room is currently lit up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) 
as is Lynette's. Got my crystal collection everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we've called in all the big forces to protect ourselves and to protect you for this episode. Um, and you may want to say a prayer of protection as well. You may want to pause this just right now and just say a little prayer of protection for you and your loved ones before we get into this. That covers it roughly, Lynette, right? Yeah, that's the warning sticker on the box. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is the warning label sticker. So what are we warning against? What are we, we're talking dark forces today, Mm. other realms. What do we even mean when we discuss this kind of energy? Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because some people be like, what are you talking about? I don't need a warning label. And they just, they just rip open Perendora's box and it's pretty normal to them to kind of delve into this realm. But actually, the more sensitive you are, the more this energy kind of interferes with your frequency or you feel it you feel interfering it, yeah. with your frequency. And I think that's why that warning label was important. Um, I guess this whole concept of dark forces comes from the fact that, you know, it's even a popular idea in science that we realise there's no empty space, that we live in this ocean of vibration, this quantum field you know, and in that universal energy of potentiality, there's spectrums, there's spectrums of light and dark frequency. And we're talking today more down in the darker, denser spectrums, whereas usually we focus on what's going on up in these lighter frequencies and, and how we can use them. the light exists, you kind of have to believe that the dark exists as well, right? You can't, you've got to see the whole spectrum. You've got to acknowledge the whole spectrum. I think the more I've worked in this, the more I understand the yin-yang symbol. I was never a big yin-yang girl in the 90s. Like I didn't really kind of get it. Um, You didn't get the tramp stamp yin-yang tattoo? (laughs) I did have a necklace, but I don't think I fully got it until I started working with this and then I went, oh, there's the black dot in the white and there's the white dot in the black. And, yeah, and you really kind of understand that it's saying that these are equal opposite forces and they really are and I think both are important and it's it's important to discuss this because there are laws around this and there are understandings that can really help particularly sensitive people, empaths, connected people to cope with and work out where this all fits in their world. And we don't want to just be all love and light. That's when things do get a little bit spiritual bypassy, when you don't acknowledge the full spectrum and you're not prepared to do the work that you need to do to live in the full spectrum. You're like, no, it's all just fine. The irony that love and light can become very dark. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh, can't it? Oh, I've can't been it. so scared of something so- in a loincloth before. <laughs> And so this is all about balance and protection as well, isn't it? Mm. Acknowledging that the light exists, the dark exists, and how do we find balance and protection when we are working in the worlds of energy, living in the worlds of energy, becoming sensitive to energy? Yeah, there's kind of this language around vibration. And, you know, whenever I'm talking about this, I go back to the Japanese author and scientist, Dr. Masuro Omoto, and he talks about the fact that when you send intention or energy towards something like water, you can change the vibration and the frequency. And we've talked about this a little bit in that first podcast around energy mechanics, but it goes on it's really important when we get to this stage to understand that there is this language that we can manoeuvre within and you can create support and protection and boundaries around yourself and it's really, really important. Otherwise, you're just kind of this floating energy in that big spectrum. It is important to name and understand where you exist in the spectrum and also define your boundary within that spectrum. Yeah, so let's name some things. Let's name some things in the dark force realm and in the energetic realm that we're discussing. 
We're talking about uh, entities and um, negative energies and poltergeists and vapours and ghosts and people have different understandings of these but they're basically energies that would be considered more erratic in the spectrum, less um, uh, of the light direction. They're kind of random and chaotic and potentially are more in the other dimension but more earthbound, whereas light frequencies tend to kind of rise into a higher realm, whereas these energies tend to not be of earth but they are earthbound and so they can have an influence on the earth forces if you understand that kind and of not thing. very benevolent right like it's different if you're calling in like this light energy of maybe an ancestor who has passed and you're acknowledging them and seeking to speak with them that's more of a higher realm thing this is like more ghosts and negative energies and entities and a darker less benevolent force yeah, I have read people who have had inter what I call interpersonality connections, which is people you've known on the other side, and they haven't necessarily been positive, but it's because their relationship remained unresolved, but you wouldn't call them a negative yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. That person, though, would have to set up a boundary. So this is all that kind of stuff that we're talking about. It, funnily enough, we could call it the big grey area of our work because yeah. it's a funny thing to talk about because it's really being created like through myths in movies and things like that. And some of those things are accurate, but some of those things are just, you know, fantasy that they work or whatever. And cultural difference really plays a part in here because every culture on mm. earth acknowledges these things, I yeah. think you could say, but deals yeah. with them differently. And certainly the culture that I was raised in, which is your Catholic, your white Catholic kind of, it's all mm. about good overrunning evil, not acknowledging mm. the darker spectrums and really mm. almost dismissing them, not wanting to talk about them. Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny though, you know, as I've got into this spooky work, I've met a lot of priests who'll do an exorcism. Well, I mean, so that is the other side of it. There's always been an exorcist yeah, on call and, at the Vatican, mm, hasn't there? Like there is that always. kind of official acknowledgement. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. and you know, when you watch a baptism in the Catholic tradition, it's 100% about taking that energy off and placing the whole yeah. energy of the child in light. And there's, you can see it. I've been to so many baptisms and I can see different energies working and leaving and coming in at the same time. And and I do, I can tell if somebody has been baptised when I read them, it, not just in a Catholic tradition, but named or protected in a certain frequency. So you can see those things. But you're right, most cultures have a marking or a, a, a welcome to the tribe, which puts the energy of the around the person energy yep and they have rights about these forces and Mm -hmm. where these realms exist and some is that the general tribe can't speak to these forces and shouldn't go anywhere near them some don't believe in an afterlife and some believe in very much how important it is that the body and the soul is exited in a certain way so it makes its way further along that spectrum in the other world and so One of my most interesting experiences with this was when I went to Japan and I had turned on my psychic ability and I landed and I couldn't believe how many earthbound spirits there were in each of the houses. And for a while I couldn't understand like why these people hadn't cleaned out their houses or why all these spirits were in the house. Like grandma just sitting in the corner. Why is grandma sitting in the corner? And it's because 
in Japanese tradition. That's great. Welcomed, that, nourished, yeah. supported. Yes, Everyone's welcome. For. You are. This is your home too. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, so I was amazed at how that energy was dense but very beautiful and normal, whereas in our tradition we're like shooing people out the door with incense. Yeah, grandma and... in the corner is not okay. <laughs> Um, symbols of protection exist all around the world as well, like the Hamsa mm. and the evil eye and ah, yes. these ideas of, of, of this negative power exists and we protect ourselves against it on a daily basis. Yeah, the evil eye is so interesting because it's got such a strong history, but it's about that whole prote- sending back what might be coming at you. And it actually, you actually have to really understand it, I think, to use it properly. It's not something you'd want to just throw around. It, it All of these talismans have a steeped in tradition, often d- developed and shared by cultures. But again, I sometimes feel like they've been just put out there and that's a bit different to when you really understand what you're embodying or why you're using it. And they're not all the same. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't um, it? One of my friends uh, has a gorgeous baby daughter. Oh, my God, she's so cute. And she's uh, Indian, half Indian. Um, and so this friend's mother, because the baby was visiting her and being taken around and shown to all these different people and they were all talking, she's a very beautiful baby. At the end of every day, she would bless her and clear any negative energy away unless pe- in case people were giving the evil eye or there was jealousy mm. attached to the compliments or there was some desire, why isn't you know, my granddaughter that beautiful or whatever it was and it was just so normal and natural nobody even batted an eyelid that at the end of every day of visiting the baby had all negative energies cleared away from her she was blessed and ready to go again I definitely bath my children in that space I pray over the water every single day put salt in the water you know they get in and out too quickly I'm like I'm sorry go back (laughs) you know and when I towel them I'm actually toweling their aura and giving it a little bit of a gold rub so I understand this but historically it's not just now that we understand that there are forces or energies that we're protecting ourselves from this has been going back like ancient Egypt used to do heaps of this stuff yeah and it's been you know in sort of all different cultures so there's something going on around this and also about people finding peace on earth if somebody leaves like so some of the funeralizing is about us finding peace and being able to let that person go as much as helping the spirit go over and so the reason it's important to talk about all of this is because this stuff sets up whether or not things are smooth around us because often these dark forces get in when this stuff is not settled we're not clear on what we believe how we protect ourselves or if we're part of a tribe that has rules about how to do that yeah, you're right. It exists in all cultures throughout all times. None of this is new. It's something humans have always been very attuned to and fascinated by. And it turns up in our stories, the stories we tell now through movie, mm. art, culture, books, but also the stories that we used to tell each other, the stories over time. I was so scared of some of the fairy tales when I was little. I wouldn't read some of them. You know, like even Snow White scared me. I was really scared of that dark witch and Grimm's fairy. Oh, my God. Grimm's fairy tales are dark. Did you know? Okay, this is like trigger warning on this, a massive one. The original (laughs) Sleeping Beauty had three children while she was asleep. Wow. She was being raped in her sleep. And then she kind of came to, finally the prince kissed her or whatever. And she had had a couple of kids because she'd been out for so long. Like that is a children's (laughs) tale. What? Dark. There are times... 
that when my children were very little, we would watch movies and I'd think, what? What rating is this? And actually, it was kind of them just taking a 100-year-old tale and putting it on the screen or whatever. But I was like, what is the message in this? This is really frightening. I found a book of ghost stories when I was a kid and I'm really? st- still scared by some of them. Still scared by the, the woman with no hands is going to come and get me. Right. <laughs> yes, I was very um, – I stayed away from a lot of things, but I can see in our culture, and especially when I went into university and I studied media and film and communications, I really recognised that this is a cultural obsession. Like we mm. – a lot of our stories and our, our the leading – films in terms of if you look at the box office often are terrifying about paranormal realms and I guess if you look at horror films traditionally they're about exploring our fears as a society you know like the dark and the light and us and in the world and others and And we go through periods where there's like the ghosts all of a sudden it's all the ghost stories and it's all the vampire stories Mm. and then it's all the witch stories like we tend to depending on what's going on culturally in the zeitgeist we tend to pull out a character or an archetype to help us tell those stories? Yeah, sometimes it's really um, like sort of monsters and things that are unhuman. It's that... Aliens? Yeah, the exploration of the unknown or the the dark corners. But then we go into it's us that's the monster. It's like American Psycho. I went and saw that one night. Oh, my God, let's get the hell out of me. And then Constantine with Keanu Reeves because it... The energy inhabits a clairvoyant. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to (laughs) go and sit on sacred ground for a little bit because I am done with horror films. So, no, I don't really love them. So you don't watch, you know what, I don't watch them. I can't do it. I don't like being scared. It doesn't, I don't enjoy being scared. I Like jumping out of a plane being scared, that I'm into. Ghost vampire coming to get me. It's become too close to home. When you work in this and people are writing to you, like I just, people write to me all the time about what's going on in their house, what's happened, you know, with the car they just bought or, you know, an ex-dead passed over person that they used to know. And I think it just became too real. Yeah. So as much as some of these are explorations of like really dark human fantasy, they have really drawn on some stories that are really accurate. And I was like, okay, that's too scary for me that that spirit's That's like I don't – I like swimming in the ocean so I don't watch Jaws. I like camping (laughs) so I'm not going to watch a horror movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just don't need those images in my head. It's not just movies and and books and such as well, is it? It's cultural celebrations like Halloween and the Day of the Dead and Samhain and and all of those kind of things. Samhain? Samhain? Yeah, Samhain. Samhain. I like – the concept now of Samhain because I really have delved into the understanding that it is about celebrating the spiritual world and it's sort of the day where they come really close and I honour my ancestors Mm. and teaching all my family to do that and then, you know, sending them through. And I, I sort of take that Day of the Dead concept really, I feel like that is really lovely and as we keep talking I think we'll understand why. But the more gruesome, you know, sacrificial stuff, that, that stuff doesn't really resonate with me. I don't really understand it, but I do know it's happening out there and there are people who really enjoy the dark and live the dark. I did meet a, a boy once, of course, as you do when you're younger, and I was sitting in a library and he sat next to me and said, um, oh, out of the blue, he said, oh, so you're a light worker. And I said, oh, and I thought, how did he know? He doesn't know me. 
And he went, I can see you. I work in the dark. And that was was terrifying, yeah, wow. actually. And I thought, yep, equal opposite dark forces, light forces. Yep, it attracts. There are people out there that live that life. And, and kind of takes one to no one in a way. Yeah, yeah. He was like into that stuff and he, that's his work and that's his world. In terms of cultural practice, there is also a religious practice. There is blood sacrifice, which we might mm. see as quite a dark thing. It's not. It's never been part of my particular spiritual or religious practice, but many religions around the world uh, mm. include blood sacrifice. And there was this big festival uh, in Nepal at the end of 2019 where about 200,000 animals were killed. It was a Hindu festival. It's called the Gad Himai Festival. And it's a really, it's a sacred festival. People are praying to a goddess. I mean, they are praying to a power, to a yeah. deity, and they do it through the slaughter of animals. Well, I mean, that's been well documented throughout the history. It's of not the an old planet, idea. It's not it? a new but idea, right? Yeah. 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 I, I think it's that honor and exchange of life and mm. force between the two worlds, which is interesting if you look at it in terms of the fact that it's trying to maintain balance in some way. From what I read in most of those stories, it's, it's, balance, a, it's an yes. appeasement, it's balance. There's, yeah. And again, this understanding that there is good and there's bad and both of valid and both exist and it's not about yeah. ignoring one and yeah. only focusing on the other yeah. yeah and you know freud says that we're never really completely free from this notion of needing to find balance within ourselves like yeah. we are actually you know maybe we're playing in that out on a big cultural level but in some ways you know um we're trying to understand our own forces and our own darkness and we sacrifice and exchange those energies within ourselves and probably that's why we put them on our screens or in our books and we're fascinated with it and i mean you know i have killed many a cockroach oh. <laughs> and i remember asking my teacher is that really like i feel so unbuddhist and he was mm. like Yes, well, I mean, you know, we had a big chat about it because is that my dark force that goes, you don't have the right to be here because I'm not going to sleep if you cross my floor and yeah. I know you're there? I always mm. had a very firm, if you bite me, I'll bite you back. Mosquitoes, you're done. <laughs> Sorry. Like anytime you want to come and bite me, sharks, if you want to bite me, I'll punch you it's in the real nose. Mosquitoes, chakra, if you want to bite me, I'm going to slap you. You're out. Mm. Like I can handle mm. it up until you affect my bodily autonomy and then we're in trouble. Mm. And then when I smack, I go better luck in the next lifetime. Better luck in the next lifetime, Squido. Yeah. You can come back as at least a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been at a festival in um, a, a religious festival in Bali where there was an animal sacrifice of a duck and I was one of about maybe five westerners there and it was in a small village and it was very it was an amazing amazing ceremony and so many of the westerners got upset by it obviously the Balinese weren't they understand that it's part of the festival but the or the ceremony but the westerners got really upset and it's interesting talking to them afterwards they couldn't really articulate why except that it was not okay to kill animals even though most of them eat meat and it's like well yeah. let's talk about the slaughter of animals then shall we <laughs> like it's interesting that when you put it in a religious perspective it takes on different meaning whereas if it's just dinner I think this is where our culture has gotten to with these forces is that it's still all on the table in a lot of ways. Like we're trying to work it out and what's sometimes what action may appear very dark is actually a very kind action or it's, yeah. you know, yeah. like if you're trying to feed a tribe and you kill a buffalo and 
that whole buffalo is eaten head to tail. Right, you make it and, part of the you know, you right? You're yeah. so if 70 people are eating, then fantastic. And, you know, I guess we just don't understand. Oh, you know what? It comes back to intention, doesn't oh, it? Everything, everything does, yeah. Yeah, so let's do a deep dive into these energies. I guess the beginning place to start is, are they real? Or are we crazy? <laughs> well, when I was younger... I didn't know if they were completely real because people would tell me that those those energies I was seeing were not real. So mm. you're making them up. And confessions, I did a Ouija board when I was about 12 or 13. Oh, I did a Ouija board. And I we, had... all pushed the, we all pushed it with our finger. Okay, except I didn't. Yeah, okay. And I was like, wow, this is weird. And I did get, because I had been seeing spirits at that point, but I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know they were real because everyone told me they weren't, so I must have been crazy. And I did get this little girl, aged five, died in a fire, and her name. Years goes, I was spooked me for days, and I begged her to go away, begged her to go away, prayed for her to go away. Years later, I'm getting a kinesiology session, and I had often heard this little girl running around in my psychic energy, and thought, that can't be the same little girl because I prayed for it to go away. And when I got the kinesiology session, they're like, hold on a minute, we have to remove something from you. And it was this little girl's name, age five, died in a fire. And we had to resolve the energy. Yeah, wow. It had to be completely taken off me. And I I think at that point I went, that was that is very real and I will always take it very seriously from now on. I hadn't taken it seriously up until that point. And so let's talk about that. Like how do, how do these energies, so these energies are real, how do they look and how do they feel? How do we identify them? It has everything to do with frequency. So the soul is a frequency that moves from this carriage into the other dimension. If there is discord and disharmony, the soul definitely still leaves the body, but it may not leave the, the realm after the earth realm. So when somebody passes over, what I see is that there is a transition phase where the soul leaves the body. Usually a lot of resolution is done. So they'll move around, they'll connect, they'll say goodbye, they'll go back past the areas of energy and life and love that they experience, people they love. If it's a mother with a child, she's often allowed in this phase a lot longer than, or a father, a lot longer if there is someone that they're caretaking. So this phase is a very close earthbound phase. But most people in that phase as they pass through, receive a whole burst of energy and love and release, can see and feel and aware of a lot more. And I will talk to people in that phase and they're sorting a lot out, but they've lost a lot of emotion and a lot of ego. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. the wounding is so strong, so great, so intense. The tortured soul is truthful and real. And then that continues on some level to be the realm that that energy lives in and interplays with the earth. And is that to do with how, with the death event, like a traumatic death would lead to that or the Can traumatic be. life would lead to that prior to the death? 
It can be. I've had experiences where, God, this only happened recently, somebody had passed away in a very tragic murder connected to that person and during that reading we were able to resolve more with that person. They were able to exchange and then find more peace and then keep moving on. I mean, there are forces much greater than us as humans and clairvoyants who are on the other side whose job it is to keep navigating people through the psychic realms. And I'm explaining this as basically as I can, but, you know, it's a much bigger concept. But just to make it sound like an air traffic controlling centre or an airport, you know, because that's kind of what it looks like, I guess, in its crudest form. Or the room in Beetlejuice, the waiting room in Beetlejuice. Yeah. it you <laughs> get sent through, to, you get your ticket and then you get to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, usually there'll be guardians around a spirit. And I do have to say that if you use this frequency and force awareness and you are calling those in, in this earth plane, they're usually very, very present very quickly in that plane um equally like my sister-in-law wasn't particularly a very spiritual person but she was instantaneously supported and protected and guided through into the other realm we were communicating she found peace over three or four days and is manages the spirit world like a trojan so and her death was tragic so it doesn't it's one size doesn't fit all but yes it has a lot to do with what the soul was carrying the weight the wounding, the scarring, the trauma. When we think about really like old ghosts, like this is the ghost of a woman who died in 1712 and she's still believed to be in the house and she's still believed to be haunting the house. So what's that about? What's that? Like, does she want something? Will she be there forever? Is there any resolution available for her? Whose job would it be to get her resolved? So there are people whose specialty is this kind of ghost busting and ghost counselling and they love it. Um, as I've worked more and more in it, I have found that if you had a relative that was unresolved close to you that had died previously in the last 40 years, even 50 years, anywhere in that realm, there'd be a possibility for release and transition and transformation If it is going on a hundred years and it was a majorly culturally traumatic event or experience, the chances of resolution with one clairvoyant is very, very slim. And I'm actually going to give you an example of this that happened to me as a clairvoyant. This is like Lynette ghost story time. Let's go. (laughs) I'm in. Everybody remember the warning we gave you at the beginning? Settle back and... Get a cup of cocoa and enjoy. Gather round, kids. It's the campfire process. Is it grimmer than Grimm's fairy stories? Let's find out. So here we go. Okay. And it starts with an email. Crazy little story for you, Lynette. It appears we might have a ghost in our house. We say ghost, but it also could be a residual energy lingering in the house. We're not sure. Is there such a thing as an energetic echo? Our story begins a few months ago when we moved into the house. It's an old double-storey terrace in the heart of a Sydney suburb. One evening, and I'm changing the names here, Lisa had a terrifying experience on the couch. I'd taken myself to bed and she'd continued dozing in front of the television. The terror begins with her awakening from a horrific nightmare in which my mother, the person telling the story in the email, was trying to kill her. That's not even really the scary part though, but when she woke up, she was completely paralysed. Not only was she paralysed, there was a very old lady in her vision with long grey hair hovering over her trying to choke her. 
When she regained control of her body and could break the dream, hallucination or whatever the heck it was, she came running up the stairs literally screaming. Over the next few days, I did a huge energetic reset of the house and we put the whole incident down to a terrifying case of sleep paralysis. It hasn't happened since and we've endeavoured to keep up the good energy hygiene in the house. However, fast forward to this week, we currently have a mate who's come to crash with us while they're in between houses. That person, another girl, is staying in our spare room. Last night, she confessed to us, finally, that she had seen a ghost. We knew there was something wrong for days, but we couldn't work it out. She had awoken one night to an old lady with long grey hair, yes, both of us were speechless too, sitting at the end of her bed. She said it was like the old woman didn't even notice her in the room. She was just sitting on the bed, looking in the distance. Our friend asked the old lady, would you mind going away? Please go away, several times and then closed her eyes and did not open them for the rest of the night. She has slept with the light on ever since as you would. Mm. Today we got in touch with our neighbour. I'm sleeping with the light on tonight, even just after hearing this story. Keep going. Oh, my God. Welcome to Clairvoyant 101. (laughs) Today we got in touch with a neighbour who's lived on our street for decades. They're always great neighbours, by the way. People, if this is ever happening to you, they're the ones that might know something. He's been friends with most of the tenants who've lived in this house. We asked him if we could get in touch with them and report back on whether they'd experienced similar things. When we did, they all replied a resounding yes. They'd always felt a presence in that house. Mirrors would fall off walls. Everybody agreed, though. Not sure if it was menacing. Nobody particularly felt scared or could see what we had seen and eventually moved on. Our ex-tenant, though, had a story that made our blood run a little cold. I want to run it by you. She admitted to having reoccurring nightmares while she lived there of a very young child stuck in a room in the house. At the time, she investigated this and found out that indeed a murder had been committed in that house. Apparently our house, and we did not know this when we rented it, is on the ghost tour of the city. People actually pay to come past our house to hear the story. Ever the detective, I jumped online today, And sure enough, yes, there was a murder committed here in my house in 1941. A 31-year-old mother strangled her six-year-old daughter to death. You can find the link in an article. And essentially in the news article, what was described was that the mother had murdered the child. I think perhaps there was a lot of postnatal depression and mental illness because that's kind of what the article described And then the child was not found um, for a very long time in the house, probably two weeks. And then I think it was her brother that came to the house, found her sitting with the child like the child was alive and called the police. And then she was forcibly drugged and removed and then put in um, sort of mental hospital care for the rest of her life. House sold released that was 1941 
and now my clients are living in that house on the ghost tour experiencing exactly the same thing. And so in her email, her question is, what the hell do we need to do now? I wouldn't say we're feeling terrified. I mean, should I open a bottle of wine, sit down, get some white stage and oms going and, you know, see if we can help her move on and help her find forgiveness and and can we just keep living in this house? It's like you're going to need re- a bigger boat. <laughs> the, the, the oms and the sage ain't going to do it. <laughs> so I'll read you the opening line to my to my reply. Uh, so good to hear from you. What an interesting story. He said, okay, so this, of course, is probably not going to come as any surprise to you that a bottle of wine and some oms is not going to cut it in this instance. Nope. And we went through and I explained to her that the, the trouble is is that this spirit is caught in the traumatic event of passing her daughter passing and her being responsible for it. She has fractured and the energy is so strong of that fracture. She's living in the mental illness and recreating the experience over and over. So every time someone comes in who, and it's interesting because one of my clients really reminds us of a childlike energy and the other who she didn't bother at all um, is much stronger of a frequency. So really she was reliving all of that out, the murder, and then the going up and sitting in the room and just waiting for the police to come. So the the when the friend came over and she was just sitting on the bed, that was the room they found her in when the police came. So she's just reliving this story like it was yesterday. So these people sitting down and, you know, doing a bit of mini ghost busting and some oms and keeping out some crackers and hoping to have a chat is is just not going to cut it in this experience because it's like trying to heal something where the, where the spirit can't hear you. If that spirit had been able to move on and reconcile and resolve, it absolutely would have happened by now. And so in the end, they had to move. I said, essentially, you will, you know, need to move. She sees it as her space, not yours. She doesn't even necessarily see you as real or human or she can't hear you. She's trapped in the trauma of that movie. Everyone who enters is in the movie. No one is a helper. So it would take a very strong clairvoyant to come in and do that. But you'd have to have a lot of energy And you'd really have to, that has to be your job. That has to be your exchange on the planet to do that kind of work. And I would guarantee you there's probably a 5% success rate in that experience. Yeah, it's all, I mean, for want of a better word, it's all so dense, isn't it? It's dense and it's dark. And it's even unpleasant for me to even hear you talk about this, like let alone to have that experience. I've had experience with ghosts before, but it's always been very benevolent. Like I've never had a situation where I, and fearing for my life, even though, it, again, it's been reported throughout cultures, throughout times that people have had those experiences. What, what are the differing laws? What are the principles of this dark energy and of experiencing this dark energy and dealing with this dark energy? Well, you hit it on the head when you said it's really dense and heavy and that's the energy is dense and heavy. So it tends to gravitate and bring energy if you're working in it, you tend to sit in density all day for weeks even if you're in this frequency. So the laws that are governing it are are interesting because if you're going to help, you've got to have enough energy, frequency and force to be able to do that. And often you'd have to get another clairvoyant in or have an energy assistant to help you. 
But for these forces, you know, we kind of respect the fact that this soul as a psychic is, you know, they are on their journey. They have karmically gone into a torturous space. We might try and help them if we feel like that's what they're looking for or that's what their energy is working with. But that you've got to understand there are assistants on the other side that are trying to help that spirit, that mother. You know, even the daughter may have reconciled with herself and tried to come back and help her mother. But if her mother is in a psychically tortured space as a spirit, it's very hard until she releases herself from that to get her out of it. So it wouldn't be that things hadn't have tried. And that's really what I had to say to those people is that you are not the first people in this house you're probably the hundredth. And it's not that energies, angels and spirits will not have tried to move this secret um, torture of this woman on, but it's to no avail. And when that happens, you really need to go, that's it. I I need to need to um, surrender that I have any control or that this is anything I should be touching. What's the most, what's the least place of harm here? It is to move on. This spirit's house is this spirit's house. Some people would love to live in that house. You know, some people love this stuff. I mean, there's people whose whole lives are about chasing this energy, isn't it? Looking for the ghosts. And I mean, there are there are yeah. shamans and. Um, black magic workers mm. and mm. people who work in this energy as their spiritual practice as well, right? Mm. Like, Yeah, and I think the thing is that some people just come in, space clear it, bring their crystal bowls and woo, 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 and just clap it over and I mean, maybe someone who wants to do a full funeral for that woman, but it feels like she's been funeralized. She was just stuck. And I said to these girls, you know, listen, you sitting her down and explaining what happened to her daughter and as if a caseworker hadn't done that a thousand times in her journey, you know, I think that, yeah, you've just got to admit when the end point is and the spirit world is all around us. So the law is that it's all around us. And that there are realms like levels of apartments, you know, of this energy. And there are some frequencies that you decide as a human being, as a as an energist, as a psychic, I'm willing to dip my toe in. Like if this came to me, I'm willing to go into it, have a look at it and help these people secure support and protect themselves. But I'm not, I would not be willing to live in that house. I would not be willing to work on this for two years, you know, and that's what it could essentially take. For some of these, I mean, a lot of these shows that go in, they go in to capture the spirits, they go in to get them on record, they go in to create a television show, but do they really move them on? No. So the chances of moving these spirits on when they're this um, tortured is slim, absolutely slim. And our thoughts and feelings are generators of energy. So that's the big thing here is that if you're, if you're, enjoying that frequency I'm not going to say it'd be any less threatening but you might find a smoother frequency with it but if you have and interestingly both of those girls have mother issues that were living in that house you know it was just going to continually get worse and worse as above it is below (laughs) how do we know when we're under psychic attack and is it the same thing as being under ghostly attack well You'll notice with these girls, they were in there. It wasn't until she went into surrendered dream state and possibly was lying in the same bedroom that, or on the couch where her daughter was that it all started role-playing. So sometimes there can be spirits in the house and you won't know for a certain 
a certain experience would have to transpire and then bam every time that experience happens that spirit is there psychic attack is a bit different that's things like spelling and curse binding and sending people negative projection and thoughts the energy is kind of the same things get very erratic with spirits temperature can drop and change um but with psychic attack you can get like signs of lots of things like breaking or um, plants dying or animals not being well or you might get a certain rash on your body all the time. So I have little markers. I know if there's a pain through one of my shoulders, I know someone's sticking a knife in my back. I know that, you know, if um, I guess if there's negative juju around and somebody's sort of sending me some jealousy or energy, something will break and it breaks in a very particular way and it'll happen like two or three times in a very short period of time. And is it massively intended? Sometimes not. Sometimes people just get angry and they get jealous. But there are people who conjure and spell and bind and curse and those things are real. Because there's a difference, isn't it, between me just thinking in my spare time in my head, gee, Lynette's a bitch. God, I just mm. hate the way she has that a face. Hard it just today. really annoys me, yeah. her face. Y- yeah, right? God, her hair. Actually, I love your hair. Um, so there's <laughs> difference between that and then me going, I'm going to make a ceremony or a ritual because I mm-hmm. hate Lynette mm. so much I want to do something mm. to hurt her, right? Like mm. what is the energetic what is the energetic difference there? Am I affecting Intention. people when I think Intention. when I think oh yeah okay so when I'm just thinking she's a bitch and I hate her she's not on cranky attack from yeah. that. Well, I you I would feel it for sure, but it would be like, oh, we had a hard day, you know, the way I did my hair today made you jealous really upset, and Kirli. then you hate my hair and then <laughs> Her hair you hate was just me. too lustrous and I can't but deal whatever, with it anymore. Whatever, like but it, but there's some way of and not everyone ha- I can you get you get to that discernment where you go oh that's not going to last or that was a bit of an energetic release or you know things tug of war in people and relationships for sure and I guess I'm not channeling it as well if I'm just thinking it and I'm just in my emotions and I'm hurt and I'm sad or whatever it is but then to make it manifest to channel it yes and that's the difference right Mm. if you're and this is where I watch a lot of young people and I've had people write to me I need to spell you know with my ex-boyfriend or my blah 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 and I really warn people to be very careful with that because it has massive effects and consequences. And there are people that teach magic and Wicca and, and they understand and the true and laws yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. And But, you know, it is as you give, you receive. Like at the end of the day, whatever you're, whatever you're trying to slow down or stop or you're sending to somebody else, you're probably taking it from somewhere else. The principle I learned, this through was my teacher used to take me out and do cloud bursting do you know what that is I do to tell tell our listeners also great yes. Kate Bush so you would sit on a beautiful coastal area watch the clouds come in and we wouldn't want it to rain so psychically energetically I would send the energy up and burst the clouds and send them away and it's an amazing thing to do because you witness your energy in relation to the earth's energy and it's kind of one of the energy practices that you use to kind of keep your frequency going but there's a, he said to me when I did it, he was like, yes, so watch now in 24 hours, there's going to be a massive return of those clouds and this will rain now for the next couple of days. 
he was absolutely accurate. So I sent those clouds away. I pushed what nature was doing back into the area I wanted it to be in. But for the next two days, it rained, it blustered, it was windy. That holiday, that time away was absolutely not sunny at all after that. And that was his way of showing me whatever you give, you receive, whatever you do, it will return. So be careful what your prayer is and what your intention is when you're putting it out there. And psychic attack often shows up when I sit in somebody's aura. It looks like electricity going crazy. It's frenetic. Somebody, I can't get in, I can't land the plane on the runway. And the reason it works is because that person is under all that interference. So you might be trying to print something out or you might be trying to get your book over the line or you might be trying to do something and it just takes so much longer and then you get frustrated and then you give up. And people say to me, can psychic attack actually change your destiny like the clouds? not forever. And in fact, if somebody is doing that to you and you move yourself out of the frequency, you'll often get a big gush of energy recorrection. But it can interfere with you for a while and it can certainly drain you. And it's something that I think mentally can really harm and mess with you for a little while as well. And it's the same when a spirit's in your aura. The aura's erratic. It's not smooth. It's not calm. You often can feel a pressure that you don't quite um, understand if you if you are then sitting in a space where there's no erratic spirit it's very very peaceful very easy to think very easy to get things done so it has an effect on the aura massively so let's talk about how we support and protect ourselves in this realm if we feel like we're running up against these dark energies either in our physical space or in our energetic field um, if we feel like we're under attack if we're trying to manage the dark energy mm. how do we support ourselves how do we protect ourselves how do we manage this energy the number one medicine in this experience is frequency so if your mental frequency your emotional frequency your physical frequency and your spiritual frequency is all oscillating at a high or positive level. Even if you don't feel great every day, you're managing it, you're taking care of what I call energy and emotional hygiene. Like if I'm angry, I do something positive with it rather than letting it brew or, or stick. Or... Yeah, and in my physical space, you know, I, I clean my space, I, I use smoke and I have a lot of plants and I let the OMS run through my house. So the frequency is very very high and that way if anything does come in it kind of bounces out yeah. and what well, I kind found... of knows it's not welcome right it, it's yeah, not a place it's... where it can grow yeah there's no yeah. there's no nourishment there for it yeah, yeah. It, eventually if you look at the forces it just can't stay for very it has it yeah. just it just moves on it just bypasses it and finds something of an equal frequency where yeah, it can oscillate yeah. and play with almost because like attracts like bingo yeah. and a lot of people that have attachments um, uh, you know, angry, have been tortured equally as children and never found resolution or peace with that. A lot of emotions. Sometimes it's drug taking that leaves the aura really open. Um, some kind of music sometimes, too much of that, if it's um, very dark, could interfere with the aura and lower the frequency. 
obviously nature is a great antidote to all of this. I had a mum recently who talked to me about her son who is about 11 and he was started only wearing black and he started speaking very negatively about himself and the world and she was very, very worried about him. And they were about to go on a holiday and she was so worried about him because he was packing all these black shirts. And and anyway, we had spoken about it and I said to her, you know, well, while you're away, go and get, you know, into nature, but also go and get a massage and get grounded and see if he wants to come with you because that can really help change the energy. She took him for a foot massage, his very first ever, and he was like a different person. Yeah. The next day he wore different coloured shirts. He yep. said, mum, I don't know what what happened? I just feel so different. And there is and that kind of like he was holding on and it was all attracting that energy. There's like that him. saying of like, wash that, wash that man right out of your hair. Like, and sometimes I do that. Like if I'm like going through a transition or I'm leaving something behind, I wash my hair, wash my hair, oh. clean my room, reset. I'm like that, you know, don't want to keep bringing my vibes down. You can. When I read, I wear my hair up. up. I wear my hair wrapped up in a yeah. bun because it's like a part of my energy hygiene. It's yeah. literally like going into surgery. So I wear the same clothes to work all the time because they're my work clothes. Scrubs. Energetic clothes, yeah. And I always will have my hair up and then I have to wash it all out of my hair. Oh, my we, God, it feels so different after We I both it. read in black. When will they make black scrubs for us that we can wear, <laughs> our energetic black scrubs that we can wear to work? If you're listening to this and you're crafty and you're interested in making us some, get in contact. We'd love it. <laughs> I have so many black clothes um, for work. Yeah, like we need more. But it is really important when I'm not working, and I'm sure you find this too, to add the light and the colour and the frequency around you because it changes the energy of saying I'm not working Lighting anymore. candles. If I'm ever Lighting not, again, I move great. around so much. I'm always in new spaces. I never really know what's gone on in the space before, but mm. I know what I want to have happen in mm. the space. So I'm always traveling with candles, with smoke, with, yeah, yeah with ohms, with things I can use to, to manage yeah. the space. Yeah. Manage the energy. The wounding is, the wound is where the light gets in, but the wound is also where the dark can get in. And that's mm. often if you have this energy hanging around, Somebody somewhere in this tortured experience is wounded and the wound needs healing. Sometimes that is just a reading where you go, I am able now to see why I've been holding on to that frequency. Yeah. The ocean, hollowed ground, like sacred ground, any any truly preyed upon earth space or temple space is awesome. You don't have to subscribe to the rules. And you feel it as soon as you walk in. Yeah, where people yeah, go. Because you know that it's safe held sacred high vibrational space mm. yeah I have actually when I was a young reader had oh my gosh had some crazy experiences you know trying to understand and work this out and I would go and sit and listen to the choir sing in the massive church in Sydney for a couple of hours just to clean out my aura because it would shock me how intense this frequency could come at your energy and it has a major effect on your chakric system you can't hold support and protection all the time and so you've got to get out of it to rebuild your support and protection you can't always do it while you're in there and what about full moons new moons rituals cycles of healing and pools of energy how do they all play a role in in this dealing with dark forces yeah and dealing with dark energy all frequency so the moon the opens yeah. the portal yeah. for these worlds, the subconscious world. Often people's subconscious energies, thoughts, feelings, paranoias, traumas come to the surface 
Well, if like attracts like, then those spirits can connect in. Think about everything in terms of vibration, frequency, everything's got to be supported and protected at a level where you want to get into the energy at a higher space so that you're protected at that level. It's all just trying to maintain some kind of boundary in a world that really is fluid until you put something there. What about a spiritual emergency? What is it? What would you consider the signs of a spiritual emergency? How do we navigate a spiritual emergency? I guess those people who wrote to me an email were in some level of very calm spiritual emergency. (laughs) Um, (laughs) People who feel like someone is not in the highest space when they're passing over or has passed over not in a high space or tragic circumstances. But we also talk about spiritual emergency when our chakras on the earth plane are going off like a rocket because of something that's going on in the spiritual plane. So you get terrified or traumatized or you feel something that you can't explain. And the chakras kind of go off like whoop, 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 whoop. They can't get grounded. The diaphragm and all the nervous system can't get sorted and so we do we call it a spiritual it's like a spiritual panic attack and some of the tools that we've got on our uh, first part of our journey which is the 478 breathing and the gold dome meditation and ground season one we reverse season one utcs yep yeah those are really great go-tos if you're feeling those frequencies Mm -hmm. but it is important to connect with somebody who is attuned or psychic shaman someone who works in this field and understands it because there will be a reason that your energies will have gone off like that in yeah. you know where they say whether there's electricity there's probably some information there otherwise you might have just gone oh yeah felt it didn't didn't yeah. have any effect and it's on good it. to know the the two sides of the coin that you absolutely can protect yourself you can heal yourself you can care for yourself in these spaces there are tools you can use but yes seek professional advice and support and help if needed as well you don't have to do it alone there's people no, who can help you with this no and you get better at knowing when you walk into a house like that you'll feel it before mm. you before you move into it i got taken it back to a house a couple of times and i loved it and i thought oh this is a great house and i couldn't stop thinking about it and then about two weeks into going to see it and it not moving on the market i thought oh hold on a minute this house is calling me for healing and i showed my friend she went this house is a hundred percent not a clear space and i was like isn't it funny i started falling in love with it and that that can be you know you kind of almost as an empath, as a healer, can be thinking this is my thing and actually it just needs a big fat psychic healer. Because we've all had partners that we thought we were in love with but we actually <laughs> just wanted to heal, like we're calling to us on well, that Well, this is that empath relationship. Right? Yeah, you know, right. that's trouble as an empath, isn't it? Let's talk about that because as above, as below, right, there is the micro and the macro. There are dark energies in the energetic realm, in mm. the universe. There are dark energies in people as well. Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is with the spirit world, the nature, the prayer, prayer is such powerful medicine. Absolutely, prayer, again, vibration lifting, vibration raising. Yeah, yeah. Prayer is probably, if I was in spiritual emergency, it is the go-to for me, 100%. Because it's asking support as well. Like it's saying, I don't have to do this alone. All those things. And shame likes to be in the dark and and Mm. these these dark forces like to be in the dark. If you open it up, if you shine some light on it, if you seek support, that's where the healing can happen. And you said it best in the beginning, if the dark exists, the light has to exist as well. And the prayer is to call in the light forces to help and protect you and surround you. What's 
potent in this prayer realm is often calling in the one true light of the God of my understanding. And funnily enough, it's JC, the man, Jesus Christ, that has a lot of potency when it comes to this stuff. If you're scared or you're trying to put a line between you and another energy, that frequency of Jesus Christ is really, really powerful. Now, it doesn't necessarily come from a Christian understanding. I was going to say, that spiritually triggers me. Yeah, of course, of course. I am triggered by that. Yes, yes. So here's where I got comfortable with it. Someone I asked, someone who is a considers himself a entity removalist, that's his job. He comes in, clears energies off people and makes sure that their body, mind and spirit are in their own frequency control which is a really big job and it's kind of like being the cleaner in my world I mean being the removalist is hard enough the garbage garbage collector you know I was like wow but he is so super clear grounded supported protected and powerful but he says I was not a Jesus Christ man but I am a Jesus Christ man now and I work in this space and here's the reason why if you look at like someone like in the Christian realm, St. Francis, right? If we want to help animals, we pray to St. Francis. He was a a real person who cared for and protected animals. I've been to his monastery. It's dope. Did you? Yes, it was yep. so good. If we want to help women and children, we call in the frequency of the Magdalena, the Mary, Virgin Mary, the Mother Mary. We also call in Mary Magdalene. We call in Kuan Yin and other female energies and entities in different cultures. Jesus Christ was the energy frequency that was sacrificed to take that sin or that that darkness or the to move it into innocence into the other world. There was a battle over his soul between what we consider the higher force of light and demonic forces and he was given three chances to ease his suffering by let's put it in quotations the devil and leave the journey to go towards that light force and come over to him. And three times he renounced that frequency and said, you have no control over me. I I refuse you. And he did it three times at the highest point of his suffering. Because he did that and then transcended and moved into the spiritual realm and became the energetic representation of innocence, the heart chakra and the way, When you call that energy in for support, protection and power, all of the frequencies in the other realm that understand the law of that realm go, oh, you've just called in the biggest gun you could possibly call in. I am stepping back. And I say, just give it a go. You will see the power of it. And like the man who I met, who is unequivocally 100% into that frequency, I get it. I, I would use it in a heartbeat if that frequency is in my room. And just to acknowledge that every mm. culture on earth mm. acknowledges these frequencies and has historical ways of dealing with these mm. frequencies and specialists in their mm. realm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, help can be called for. Actually, so let's let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah. The micro and the macro, there's not just dark energies in in um, the energetic realm in the universe. Uh. There are dark energies in people as well. Oh, man. You know what? I would – no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I'd take a dark force in the energetic realm any day. I've met a few of them. (laughs) I may be related to a couple of them. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? There is a definite myth around the fact that the more incense crystals and, you know, this stuff you use, that you are a positive, powerful, frequency of light and human because bam, bam, bam. 
Oh my God. People use these things to mask. I, as a uh-huh. yoga teacher, there's like this idea that people who run yoga studios are all the most advanced yogis. No, generally, my experience, often they're the most confused or mm. removed or messed up and they're trying to make the connection. They're trying to shortcut the connection by putting themselves in a position of power. Okay, so I'm going to raise a really interesting concept here. Please. That they are narcissists, they're covert narcissists. And the covert narcissist and the narcissist on our earth plane is a similar frequency, not necessarily to a lost and broken soul, um, but there are realms of narcissism that you could say this is a broken and wounded person who is acting out of narcissistic intent right through to an absolute malignant narcissist who is just completely cut off, like like in the dark spiritual realm. But that energetic system appears also in this realm and in this frequency. And I think narcissism is the version of what we've been talking about in human form. We're all narcissists on some level. Some level, but but some more than others. And Mm. narcissists seek power. And when we step into these spiritual realms as well, the realms of seekers, gurus, followers, yoga, whatever it is, cults, like this is kind of where cults come up as well, where there's people who tap into these dark forces and use them to seek power. And having spiritual power over someone is a really profound power trip. Like that's well, it's like mixed mixed spirituality with anything, mixed spirituality with political Potent. philosophy, mixed spirituality with laws and money. controls, yes. money, yes. sex. You know, yeah. you've got it yeah. all happening as a toxic cocktail, and actually then mix it on mass. <sighs> yeah, I've I've helped a few people move themselves out of the cult like energy, and again, it is not my specialty area. And often they have symbols and signs and all sorts of things in their aura that they themselves are choosing to put in there every single day. And they have agreed to hand their power and they don't want their power anymore. So it often attracts people who are looking for someone to save them. The narcissistic covert everyday energy, oh my gosh, this is rampant in our society. More and more maybe. Either that or we're more aware of it and we can name it. (laughs) Have you seen that meme that is the little boy from Sixth Sense and he says, I see narcissists everywhere. I have not. It's classic. But it sounds about right. So let's talk about this because I think that, you know, it's great to talk about how to get these energies out of your home, but 90% of people are not going to have these energies in their home very often. But I would guarantee eight out of 10 people are going to come in contact who are empaths with a covert narcissist in the next 10 minutes. And it it can feel the same, right? It can feel like an energy draining, a weakening, mm. a confusion Mm. and an attack in Mm. some ways, or like it could be really be you're friends with somebody or related to somebody who does kind of verbally attack you or does really um, try and control you. Narcissists need fuel. You're right when you said they need power and they want relationship and connection and exchange. So they don't want you to leave them, but you wouldn't know that by the way they treat you. There is, oh my gosh, there is this amazing pattern. One of the funny things is if you Google how to deal with a narcissist, do you know what comes up? Number one? Leave. Run. Don't. Think haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It actually says don't think haunted house because it once you get, a narcissist in your energy and They're in hard your to life, get rid of. Really, and what if you're in a family with it? Really, really difficult. 
Oh, I know. I've, I've read an article recently about women who have had children with narcissists and then they break up with the narcissist, but you share children, you're never really done. And it just, it sounds like an ongoing horror show. In Australia recently, we had an experience of this where Hannah Baxter and her three beautiful children, Leana, Aaliyah and Trey, were stalked by their father, who was a known narcissist and he was under an OVO and he torched the children and the mother and murdered them and then killed himself. Just shocking. And there are more women in this experience. And more children, yeah. Absolutely horrendous. This is you know, why I said I think I'd rather take a spiritual power struggle on some level, and I really do say that with a grain of salt, than this kind of experience. And it doesn't just happen in male-female relationships. I think one of the biggest fallacies of this is that it's not happening with women and other women. It is or men it and is, other men. And yeah. Men and other men. These yeah. power dynamics and this power struggle is inherently – coming from someone who is completely dissatisfied within themselves and anything they notice inside someone else that makes them jealous or triggered or is anything that they feel like they can't have naturally, they seek to control and then they seek to destroy. And they seek that fuel from the people that they're connected to. It's interesting, a lot of empaths find themselves connecting into narcissistic frequencies because to start with, like I was describing about going to the house that I was thinking maybe it was my house, it feels really good. Yeah, there's like power and energy there. There is. Yes, and that can happen because narcissists are very good at love bombing and they're very good at figuring out what you might need. Like if you're an enchanted and magical person, then they lay that on. If they think you're very spiritual, then they lay that on. Like they, one of the reasons this can exist is that they've done a lot of studies that empaths don't believe that level of strategy and in inverted commas, evil mm. thinking and design of friendships, relationships and connection exist? I guess because they don't want it themselves. So they're like, why would anybody want this? You can't imagine can't, that yeah, someone's strategizing that. about you that much. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you, And so it's not often until you go back and join the dots that you go, yeah. that wasn't random. Oh, my goodness, you were setting me up. So, you know, things like the empath is set up to be tested. How far will you go? What would you, you say if I didn't yeah. speak to you today and I just didn't tell you why? Or what if I manoeuvred this? Would that annoy you? Or what? They, you can't actually believe that somebody is trying to work you out that much. If you don't live like that, you can't believe it. One of the really interesting things about this behavior is that this also crosses cultures and boundaries they have discovered controlling behavior using the same techniques yes generally and i'm just going to say it amongst men in a domestic violence situation around the world it again it transcends borders and cultures and the behavior stays the same the techniques of control stay the same regardless of where you are on earth oh i'd love to say it's just in male female relationships but i read it in bosses and employees i read it in female to female friendships male to male sibling friendships like the amount of siblings in this relationship where there is one sibling who becomes power of attorney and then takes all the estate and you think how could anyone take all of that estate and not want to share it with anyone else isn't that part of like there's a difference between a sociopath and a narcissist in that the sociopath doesn't really see 
the conventions, doesn't understand that there are consequences for behaviour, doesn't have the expectation about how we're meant to behave in society. And so they brush up against it pretty obviously and they'll like murder someone in the street and not know that was a problem, but they get caught they're pretty for that. Overt. The narcissist yeah. knows exactly that their behaviour is messed up and they're really good at managing it or hiding it. And that's what's so insidious about it. Well, the covert narcissist is usually sprouting that everyone else is doing to them what they're actually doing to everyone else. Yeah, or the gaslighting. What are you talking about? This isn't happening. It's so so they usually have a fan club. They've usually got some kind of fan club going where everyone believes the reality mm. they're presenting. And they'll have people that come in who are what they call in the pathology the flying monkey, who believes them at all costs. They have secured their allegiance to the bottom and usually because they know stuff about them or they've been there at very important times and the exchange is too great to that flying monkey to lose. So they're very easily able to smear campaign people and to keep building energy against people. It's it's a series of experiences that build this relationship of dangling carrots that this is going to happen and this is going to and I'd love you to do this and you know I love you more than everyone else and triangulation like sending in other people to do the abuse and then like oh what's happening and I've worked with this a few times in in workplaces and even in schools where people are self-harming and often if there is a is there self-harming going on there's a covert narcissist around because the person who's being abused is trying to say I'm you know being gaslit and abused but everybody is believing my abuser and it's one of the things during sexual abuse that is the most horrendous thing. There are there are people all over this planet who are trying or experiencing sexual abuse and would have possibly told somebody, but they weren't believed and their Agreed. abuser kept getting upheld and protected. And that pain cycle tends to carry through with us into our relationships in adulthood. And so if you've been sexually abused or had this kind of narcissistic patterning in your childhood, it's very important to learn about how to register it when it happens. And I've got to say, I've done years of therapy and I have been working in this for a long time and still I am stunned when a covert narcissist walks into my life, starts manoeuvring things around and I go, I miss that. And then as soon as I see it, I'm like, references are strong, we're done. But it's taken a really long time to get to that point where it's a fait accompli. If I see that behaviour, it's done. And even psychologists cannot work with this kind of energy. If you, they walk in and you see the client, we're about to enter a narcissistic exchange. You're going to make me my mother, your mother. You're going to start using this exchange in that way. They will end the relationship because there's no cure for this level of narcissism until that person is really bring themselves to awareness. There's just no cure. You can't, you can't work through this. Yeah, totally. I think it's worth saying it's very, very difficult to shut down a relationship with a narcissist. People try. It's not because they keep going back necessarily. I read thousands of people who have put the boundary down. I think this should end. I think that's enough. I think we're done. I think let's give each other some space. I think and the hoovering will start, you know, I heard your dog died or I – your grandmother's birthday or I saw a picture come up on the phone or I thought of you when I – there are so many hooks and hoovers that once you understand this experience, you go, oh, my goodness, it's a pattern. This is not about love and connection and me 
this is about control and one of the things that's always important to remember about narcissists one of the reasons they don't want you to get away isn't because they love you isn't because they want you to be near them they don't want you to get away because you've seen their shadow and the people who are engaged in a power struggle with a narcissist are the people who've actually seen the truth and they can't be reinvented back into the mythology. And so if you're not in the mythology and you can't be bought and you can't be exchanged and controlled, then the narcissistic rage begins. And if you don't come back, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And often people will leave jobs, just like I told those girls to leave that house, or they will change something to get away completely from the narcissist and draw the line. But you, as you said... When someone has children or you can't get away, it's very, very difficult. And same rules apply as with energy, frequency, boundaries, prayer, you know, because this is serious stuff. It's serious stuff. This really dismantles people's lives. And and you might not believe in ghosts and you might not believe in energy, but narcissists are real again like you said we've all met one we're all going to meet maybe one in the next 10 minutes like they they definitely are out there we've all experienced them how do we make sure we don't become one how do we do our own personal shadow work because then okay so then again above as below the micro and the macro there's these dark energies in people and we all have some element of the white sorry of the black yin and yang in our white side right like we all have a shadow that we and these elements of ourselves that aren't our highest vibration or our best side. I mean, I don't, I'm perfect, you too, but other people I'm sure. Like how do we come to terms with this in our own life and in our own psyches and do the work we need to do to face our shadow and heal these parts of ourselves? I know I talk about my beautiful counsellor, Joan, a lot. Oh, Joan. Thanks, Joan. Love Joan. I do feel like sometimes she's the third co-host on this, yeah, um, on this podcast. Yeah, she probably I'm is. Into it. God bless her. <laughs> Look, she was a powerhouse, a woman before her time, and a very, very trained but very self-taught as the best star. And she sat down and went through a whole host of things. One was how do you harm? What do you do when you're backed into a corner? What's your worst way of insulting someone? Where do you get threatened when you don't have power? How much would you prostitute yourself? Um, When do you love being the victim? Um, What do you really need? In every situation she'd say to me, hold on, what's really the intention there? What's, What's the need there? Are you? Do you need that person? What are I you gaining from them? Peeling the onion, because whatever mm. you think your first statement is, oh no, this is this is what's going on. Yeah. If you kind of go why, and you take a layer away, you can be like, oh well, actually no, it's because I'm feeling like this, and then you can go why again and get down to, oh, I'm just I'm I'm really suffering at the moment. It's not that that person was did something to me. It's that I'm suffering. Yes, and I'm lashing I, out. I totally agree. And where she really helped me regain my power was I was going back to ex-lovers and ex-partners and putting myself in positions of powerlessness and what I realized was I was creating the access back to me because I wasn't keeping the boundary I was like making reasons up to run into them or whatever and it's ridiculous leaving the earring on the side of the bed and I she really started calling me out on all of my behavior like why would you do that but why would you what so is that manipulative? And it was horrible. I have to say, I there were some of the most 
horrible sessions of my life. But the most life-changing, right? The most yeah, they fundamental were and profound. Probably that, worth every dollar. Like the personal <laughs> shadow work, I've only gotten into shadow work in the last few years. And yeah, it's some of the ickiest, yuckiest, most uncomfortable stuff I've ever mm. done. But it's also the most illuminating. And talk about raising your vibration. Um, it's, yeah, you do. It, it's the work that really does make you a better person and a better friend and a better lover and a better daughter. And I think what we realise when we explore the shadow is that in all of us is a part that's vying for energy and success or connection or need and when you go to the shadow you realize well why are you seeking that outside of yourself why are you manipulating circumstances to have people like you or give you something and and she really drummed it into me that if you are connected to somebody for an exchange you can expect it to to go pear-shaped and so even if I wanted something and didn't love somebody I probably couldn't work with them that's just the the nature of where I've gotten to yeah it's always an inside job if you're trying to like make yourself feel better by the outside world by controlling people or getting them to love you or whatever it is you're never going to be satisfied you've got to do it inside yourself for yourself that's all the call is always coming from inside the house and it's worth saying here Kiralee because it's so potent when I first started my work I was much younger I was still in the middle of that work And I was attracting a lot of those wounds and those energies and people having very scary spiritual experiences. As my life has changed, I don't feel afraid being in the dark, being in a certain house, being in a scary environment. In fact, I've had spirits come at me and I've just put my hand up and gone, don't even, don't even, I'm not even going to play with that game. So much power that mm. you can come to realise how much power you, you have when you state it. And, and it was what always my teacher Jason used to say is when you know the light within yourself, yeah. you will stand in it in yes. 100% force. Yes. It's like you get given a white light sword and you just go, I'm sorry, that was too much, not enough, it's not going to happen again. And that's why you do the shadow work, I think. It's like when you know your own worth, you set boundaries and you really confidently hold them and you went, I will not put up with this shit. I don't know who you think you're here to play with, but it's not me. And it, that's in the like, relationships in the material world. It exists in the energetic world as well, doesn't it? Like, uh, no. Nice yeah, and it's no. and it's not that, oh, yeah, I got stronger and, like, you know, that superficial concept of I loved myself more. It's I sat on the ground with myself and realised I could harm somebody. I yeah. could take somebody else's partner. I was jealous when somebody else got pregnant and I didn't. I want more money than that person when I worked on something. I wanted to own it all. I wanted everyone to look at me. When you realize all of that exists in you and you go, oh, my goodness, and then you heal it, you can stand in front of people and say, no, that is – I don't come from that space. And it doesn't matter if they don't believe you. Like I I now watch people who believe the narcissist and I used to go to them and go, this is what happened and this. And now I just go, I'm not even going to explain it. Like so be it. You'll figure it out. (laughs) And so, you know, narcissists can't take us completely off path. They can distract the force for a while. They come in, they take a lot of energy, they drain things and then we get back on track. But that force is a very, very powerful force. And it's powerful on an individual level in terms of derailing or taking a detour through an individual process journey life. For sure. But it's a collective thing as well. And and there's like, are we yeah. being are we being derailed by collective narcissism right now? What does it even mean when mm. we talk about collective narcissism? So the concept of collective narcissism was kind of raised by Sigmund Freud in 1922. So it goes right back. And he noted that 
when he was looking at subjects, there was this capacity and kind of pension for looking down upon others with contempt. And he later termed the phrase uh, collective narcissism. But there's been many people following Mm. him that have done lots and lots of studies Mm -hmm. on it. Interesting Mm -hmm. because the definition of narcissism focuses on the individual, but collective narcissism asserts that one can have an excessively high opinion of a group Mm. and that that group kind of then serves the malfunctioning self-identity. So, you know, you don't feel great about yourself. So you go and join a group that you feel like you're fighting for and we can see that happening all over the place. So that's recruiting into like the alt-right, but also recruiting into cults as well maybe or any kind of like QAnon. Any kind, yeah, anything that is going to feel like you are fighting for something where you feel like it deserves more than someone else. Mm-hmm. There's a okay. there's a reason that it kind of and it feeds into conspiracy theories yeah. beautifully. It shapes current political landscapes for this reason because basically it's saying that the intentions of other people, it's almost like a highly perceived feeling that there is I am so important that I am being harmed by someone else or I deserve more than someone else and so it's using these internal forces or maybe I'm the only one who's figured it out I know more than everybody else yes yes yeah people who endorse collective narcissism explicitly express the belief that their group is exceptional and that others do not evaluate it positively and therefore they have to fight they have Mm. to come from a feeling of defense so, oh, it is I, around, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and we live in it this is. world that really f- fuels collective narcissism or nurtures collective narcissism. Social media, like social media is incredible. It gave a voice to the voiceless. Mm. It's caused mm. so much social change, but it also mm. has us hooked on likes. It's ruining our mental health. It's making us think that mm. being liked is all there is and it's collecting data that then is being exploited against us just because we want to feel connected and validated. Well, narcissism's fueled on a couple of things and two of those things are low self-esteem and mm. feelings of powerlessness and also frustrated personal entitlement. Yeah. So if you look at those things that we're talking about in terms of Facebook and Instagram, they're all designed yep. to see if you're being validated, to see if what yep. you're thinking is connected to somebody else. And as I said, there's that fantastic documentary, The Social Dilemma and The Great Hack, and it's all about how that's been used in kind of a reverse effect. Carol Calderwelder, she talks about how when she was researching the Cambridge Analytica you know, debacle, which was absolutely horrendous at gathering data for everyone's... They, have, they said they have 5,000 points of data on any Facebook user. Oh, I believe it. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I had my phone in the room the other day. To, sorry, this is a little aside, but I had my phone in the room the other day when some friends were telling me about a pair of novelty sunglasses that they bought at Splendour in the Grass and you put them on and they make all lights look like love hearts. And I tried them on and we had a laugh. Oh. Four days later, I started getting ads Love for those. it on my Instagram. I've never – these super specific glasses that I've never heard of before, that I've never seen before, and now they're being advertised <gasps> oh at me. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. So okay, so that, then you have to listen to Edward Snowden's permanent record. If you love audiobooks, play it in the car, play it at home. It is – 
mind. I do believe it should be. Uh, what do they call it when you're in school and it had a compulsory like text? Required reading, yep, yep. For our generation, it is absolutely required reading because it is this experience that that feeling of wanting to be loved and connected and liked is being used somehow in two ways. One is for corporate gain over our psychological ability to be advertised to and the other is for political campaigning and votes and so these two things have now become something that what we're using them for are not ultimately what they're going into the big container and it's to so be shared for. Dastardly and it is, upsetting and this is why because people have gone into conspiracy theories because they are being watched and the advertising yeah. for the your love heart sunglasses is happening. Yeah, and the thing that's so upsetting for me around that is that we are collective creatures. We're, I don't believe some of us mm. maybe are born narcissists, mm. but I think generally humans are born into the collective. We feel most comfortable I in agree. the collective. I we totally understand agree. on some deep level that it's a back and forth. It's not just I put it here and everybody likes it and me, 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 me. It is community. Right. It is connection. We're hardwired for it. We love it. We want it. And it's been completely upended and turned against us. And and it's fueling this narcissism, which actually in a weird way comes from this deep desire in us for good things, for love, for connection, for community. And as we were talking about before, it is possible for somebody to work out beyond our understanding how we operate so that they can manipulate mm, that need in us. Yeah. So, you know... There are ex-boyfriends. Yeah, and we know a lot of narcissists (laughs) in popular culture now. Epstein, Weinstein. Yes, who who operated in their narcissism for so long and was supported by so many people. Propped those bastards up. Absolutely supported, yeah, and supported by more narcissists and then people who were codependents around them. And, you know, I was listening to this amazing Armchair Expert podcast episode out the other day and Bradley Edwards, who is the civil trial attorney who represented the majority of victims in the Epstein case, said that he met with Epstein several times during this, like, we're talking 10, it's been 20 years this man's been working on this case. And he would meet with Jeffrey and have to work through some of the things that, you know, were going on with his case and they had put things down and said, you know, you've got to, you've got to come and be questioned on, to the, on this. And he tried to get out of it. So they'd meet for coffee. And he said 10 minutes into the coffee, he would have to say to himself, no, this is the bad guy. Yeah, like he was, he was so seductive mm. and so like, you know, it's not a problem. Like it's just a administration problem. You know, there are places with no age of consent. What's the problem? And that's so like, concerning, isn't it? You think of somebody as, they're a really nice person. And that's weaponized niceness to hide dark evilness and criminality and misogyny. I think that's the, and the hardest pain of this is that, and I, as I've said before, and I know you agree, is that I don't hold people in, in really horrible states of my mind who are in extreme states of confusion at the moment because I understand that they have been lied to on a community level you know as we've talked about there are many groups who have never been supported and protected Mm. so it is hard when you've had these narcissists operate Mm. and people have been abused to say just trust us it's all going to be okay Mm. 
And then when there's been systems that protect them, oh my god. The goodness. systems that protect so so it's not just social media that is like built to support narcissists. I would say the political system. We all love a bit of democracy, we need it, but it's pretty much set up to support narcissists. All yeah. of the power structures allow narcissists to rise to the top. Because you've got to be ruthless and you've got to be out for yourself and you've got to like literally climb over everybody to get up to the top and believe that you deserve to be there. And we're all digging for this truth. And we're looking for our truth bearers, but we can't find them or we can't, we don't know who to trust. Yep. Once upon a time, that would have been our politicians and our priests and our media, mm. but we're not quite sure about them anymore. And, mm. it, you know, even the media that's meant to be in the middle often holds the government narrative and doesn't yep. challenge it, or we can see their blind spots. They can't yep. see that we can see their blind spots, but... We feel them and we can because our consciousness is shifting. And so if they keep mm. doing that, we're like, no, mm-hmm. can't rely on mm-hmm. you either. You can't see. And so you've got all these people going out, digging for like little truffle golden nuggets of truth <laughs> and coming back and going, this is what I found. This is the part I found. What about you? What about you? And we're all putting it together. And it, I think we've got to concede that it's not necessarily complete yeah. or all there yet. We don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And what happens is if you're in that space that you really feel sure about the nugget that you found, you know, ring, then you will hold on to that truth and you're going to start really, really fighting for it. So I think that's how Woo Woo has become connected into this and how Woo Woo undoes that is another story. I don't know if that's necessarily Woo Woo's job. I mean, it really is going to take the people who hold those positions of power or new leaders with a new idea about how to formulate what we understand we need to stand up and hold that light for us. And the trouble is we can't leave this house if there are things, you know, we can't leave this planet. It's all we've got. So if yeah. if it's not right, I guess that's why people start fighting because it feels intrinsically connected to their survival or the way the future is going to unfold. We were talking about whistleblowers in the last um, episode, but, you know, it really takes someone who or a collection of people who believe that it actually is their choices that mm. show who they truly are <laughs> and, you know, to quote the sacred text. But it is, it is really um, a commitment of a sacred contract to say I'm going to go up against this system or this person and fight this energy because it can cost you a lot. So how how do we? How do we? What's the solution? How do we heal collective narcissism? And how do we get humble? This is one of the things mm. I teach a lot, especially through my yoga classes, is mm. humility. It's something that mm. I have been working on my entire life because I have a pretty high opinion mm. of myself. Mm. Um, and mm. I don't know. One of the reasons I teach it is I don't know that we get taught humility in its most pure form. It's not the same as being squashed down and told that you're nothing and you no. don't matter, but actual humbleness, humility, seeing yourself as one grain of sand on the beach that is humanity, seeing yourself as being the collective and being okay with being being small and intimate. I, I don't know that we really get taught that. Do you How know do what? It has to do it well, it has to. It's a practice, really. It's a practice. So it's funny that mindfulness and woo-woo is kind of caught up in all this 
big stuff because it's also actually the solution for every individual that understands themselves, their wounding, their history, their pain, their shadow, how to sit with themselves, how to manage it, how to fill their own energy and then allow themselves to be of service Mm. and not necessarily be the person that's out the front. For every time we practice that and we say, you know what, you've got an opposing view to me, what is it that you're trying to say? I'm trying to understand. And we sit with it rather than barraging in or, you know, and I've been confronted by the force that some of these protesters have been met with. I I think fear does not answer fear very well. We're not going to go anywhere if we keep doing that. Mm. So really we, we keep coming back to it, but it's the middle path. It's the Buddhist way of trying. Like my teacher used to say, actually he would never praise me for any of the work I did, which at first my ego was a bit like, hmm, I just read 200 people in a hall and they were all very accurate. I want you to say something nice about me. And he would be kind to me, but he never commented on whether I did a good job or bad oh, job. What a good He teacher. asked me, how do you feel? Amazing. Was that, did that feel, did that feel good? Yeah. Great. What do you think you could do better? Yeah. What, what do you need it? Do you have any questions for me about mm. that? And he really encouraged me to get a strong sense of personal identity around what I was doing rather than looking it from outside. Internal awareness rather than external validation. Yep. Yes. And, you know, like in all the great movies, Kung Fu Panda or whatever, it's that whole thing about not necessarily thinking that being out in front and the fame and the fortune of everything is the guide. You've got to kind of go, what if I said no to that? Yep. What if I don't do it for that reason? So it's it's de- not depriving in a bad way, no, but it's, it's not. kind of, you know what I mean? It's meeting the ego and saying, not today, yeah. Satan. <laughs> not today, ego. <laughs> and it's like sitting in contentment and satisfaction and feeling like you have enough and gratitude. Mm. And, and when you have a fear response, dealing with the fear response rather than trying to step over it to make yourself feel better by like pushing someone else out of the way or like climbing over someone else. Mm. It's getting out of that mentality of scarcity. It's really bloody hard. I watch it in my children because they all came very close together, twins and a third, and it's interesting watching them. They've always had to share from the minute they arrived. So we are constantly timing everything and explaining, but you've had your turn. I know this is very – I know you're very sad now, but you have to wait because everybody needs a go. It is so difficult to parent But at the same time, I look at it and go, isn't that what we're all trying to learn? That just because someone said something, I can't go off and create a war over here or it's trying to name it and sit with it. And I think our society has trouble in general sitting with the hard Mm, feelings. If someone doesn't agree with us, and that's what we're talking about all this year, can we sit in the fact that lots of people have lots of feelings and lots of different ideas and try and come back and have some kind of unity. A lot a while ago, we had a prime minister called Kevin Rudd, and a lot of it went pear shaped. But do you remember that he gathered three hundred of the top minds in each sector of the Australian, so the arts sector, the engineering sector? I was sector. out of the country, so I missed all Were of that. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, do you know? I spoke to people who went to those big forums who sat around for three or four days and talked about how to make that industry in this country great. The top minds in each of those areas, 
they were excited and delighted that they were going to, as a collective force, have some guiding light over the country's journey and things that they'd given their whole life to. It ended up going nowhere. Well, he was a classic narcissist, wasn't he? He was in it. He was, and so narcissists can destroy these things. Mm. So, but what was interesting was the hope and the beauty that came out of it. Yeah, I wonder if we yep. need something like that. Yep. And there's an amazing book on Oprah's um, book club at the moment called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent by Isabel Wilkinson. Okay. She talks about the unseen phenomenon in America particularly as she explores it through stories and narratives about real people and how America today throughout its history has been shaped by this hidden caste system and mm. has created a rigid hierarchy of human beings. Mm. And a human ranking. And so she talks about how beyond race and class and other factors that we can move into a space where that cruel logic of the caste that we are all living under can be removed. And that she looks at how can we move beyond artificial and destructive separations towards a collective and more common humanity. So I think that's the book. For this episode yeah great god it's all this is all so again for want of a better word it's deep it's dense it's dark it's profound i feel like i should could chat about this all day but my candles are burning out so we need to like start <laughs> i'm to get sweating to the end of because this. of mine what are our takeaways what are our takeaways from the dark side of the force that the internal energy also attracts the external energy as above is below we have control over resonance and frequency you have power to raise your resonance and frequency to protect yourself and change it starting to work with creation not destruction yes if you meet fear with fear or have any kind of antagonism in your system it's liable to ricochet and bounce back so it's It takes very peaceful, very mindful leaders to hear that there is an unrest, a civil unrest in people's feeling of safety and the desire to want to live with more collective self-esteem, to stand up and try and help create a positive social identity. So because we're all feeling socially disconnected, of course, it's rampant at the moment. And it's interesting that we weren't able to hold some of that communal and global energy it's because it takes a lot of energy to generate a lot of light to hold that balance but in in any small way like for every person that lights a candle or invokes the light or chooses not to harm their brother or sister we were talking about this before don't sweat the small stuff like asking is that really important today to create a conflict could I just let it go could I just nut that out and could we keep flowing you know, is there a way that I can be part of the solution, not the problem? And and sometimes just like in these houses and other experiences of dark forces, there are lines that need to be drawn. There are changes that need to be made. There are sometimes absolutely things that need to be pushed and forced and reset. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think it's coming back to finding out where that energy is within us and then trying to make sure that we're creating energy collectively that is emanating that. Yeah, totally. It's oh it's gosh. so not easy. If you've ever been part of a club or a workforce, a workplace, you know, you've ever 
been in a school or worked in a kitchen or been in a family, you know, to get everyone to agree, to hand something over, to not complain, to try and stay in some kind of higher alignment is not easy. And I do not pretend I'm great at it. It's just something I try to do every day. What would love do here? You know, what what is a loving thing to do here? How can I do this in the most loving way, even if I need yeah. to be quite forceful? Yes, yes. Things like prayer, smoke, boundary making through right. forces of help and crystals and energy that you give value to. They've got to have your heart frequency connection into it. If I give you a crystal and you don't care about it, it's not going to help. Also, I think understanding that we're existing on the plane that also has light and shadow forces. Spectrum. We live on a spectrum and you're allowed to acknowledge every part of that spectrum. Even yeah, the parts and that learning make you about it. Yep, and learning learn about, about it. the pathology of a narcissist. Yep. You know, what it looks like when they triangulate and how they go on to hide and often win and then how you can heal from narcissistic abuse or ghosting whether it be from the spirit world or from the human world and to develop the world that you want yeah what hurts more a spirit ghosting or a human ghosting who can say who can say (laughs) both can be nasty The good thing is you can create your vibes. If we can all get to a point, the world is what we think it is. And eventually, even if I am under some kind of attack on any dimension, I can get to a safe place and recreate my boundary. Then really, that's the ultimate understanding of energetics in the dark forces. And also kids, do your personal shadow work, do your homework, manage your shit. As Brene Brown says, stop taking your shit out on other people. Um, It'll be awkward, but it'll be amazing. Um, All right, wrapping it up. What does the world need now, Lynette? What does the world need now? I can go first because I know exactly what my what the world <laughs> yes, needs please. now is. So my yes. what the world needs now for this week is this really amazing organization called BACA, Bikers Against Child mm. Abuse. And they are this worldwide mm. organization. They have chapters all over the world. And it's bikers. It's some of the toughest dudes and ladies you've ever seen who come together in chapters formed especially to support childhood victims of abuse. And they come to offer emotional support to invite these kids into a community of adults who care for them and will protect them physically if required. And they do this really beautiful ceremony when the kid decides to get involved where everyone from the chapter, which could be like 25, 30 people drive to this kid's house and do a ceremony of welcoming the child into the tribe and into the group and saying, we're your family now and we will protect you. Like again, emotionally, physically, whatever you need. They give the kid a biker name. It's always something really cute, but like they give him a biker name and a little biker jacket. Um, and so some of it is is ongoing and some of it is really specific. If the child needs to testify in court, the bikers, the backer members will go to court with them so that instead of that kid having to walk in by themselves scared, they get to walk in with like 25 of the toughest men and ladies you've ever seen in your life as, as a support squad. Um, and I just think the work they do is absolutely unbelievable. Um, backer, backerworld.org is, is the website if you want to find out more info about the work they do. I love that concept because probably many of those people have suffered abuse or experienced some kind of connection to it and have turned it into something amazing. And that whole concept that we go on to become the protectors of others who can't protect themselves is so special. That's really cool. 
It's amazing, isn't it? And I think it's about sharing privilege as well. Often when we think about sharing privilege, it's about kind of um, a financial privilege or racial privilege. This is like the strong sharing their strong privilege for the, one of a better word, the weak or the vulnerable. And I just, I love it. I love it. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my, what the world needs now this week is Shin, Shin, why is everything so hard? Shinrin Yoku. <laughs> Shinrin Yoku, forest bathing. Oh, yes. I've mentioned it in the past, yet I have found classes popping up everywhere all over the world. Some of them are free. Get on to Google and Shinrin Yoku. And Google, where is my free forest bathing classes? It is so wonderful. The health benefits of learning how to resonate with the planet are phenomenal. I felt like I had been supercharged, like plugged back into my soul battery. And it was an hour. Amazing. I spoke to you in the days after and you were high as a kite, my friend. You were like, woo. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, I'm sold. I loved the look of it and I've always heard about it, but I'd never gone to a class myself and one class and I was like, why are we not doing more of this? This is this could solve the problems of the world. Amazing. So, Give the name again so people can Google it. Shin Rin Yuku. Shin Rin Yuku. Thank you very much. That is it for the Woo Woo Verse this week. Oh my God, this was epic, but we're done. So epic. if you enjoyed this episode and all the work we do and you want to help Go and have a shower. share the word, yes, <laughs> please subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It does help us share the love and help other people find out about what we do. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook, Woo Woo Verse. And yeah, go uh, have a shower, light some candles, shake it out, enjoy yourself. And uh, Lynette, support you. Support you, Kira Lee. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Woo Verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Woo Woo Verse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.